Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners out there especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with the trip through the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over there in Tupelo. It'd be sort of weird if Brupolo was, you know, pick a or something. Pick a broon? Pick a broon. Pick a broon or, or brew a Which one do we prefer? Neither. Okay, then. So be it. Well, Wherever you are in our state, if you are in Picayune or wherever you are, you can get Strange Brew Coffee right to your door. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com in order for uh, for shipping. Whatever kind of coffee machine is in your kitchen, they've got coffee for you at Strange Brew Coffeehouse. College Corner. I thought I was going to sneeze there for a second, Robbie. That would have been a tremendous, uh, loud thing. People would have been really mad at me. Well, you cough all the time in the microphone, so what's the difference? You know, don't jinx it, man. I've been cough-free for like a month now. Don't, 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 don't jinx that. <laughs> College Corner at collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find maroon and white merchandise. Whatever it is you're looking for, Mississippi State, they've got it at College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Floyd by the Half Shell, or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco is Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, and even when it's not the newest, it'll still be the best. I know another Mexican restaurant's about to open up because we needed that. At least with Humble Taco, you're getting something different. You're getting something you can't get at any other Mexican restaurant in town, and I would say at any other Mexican restaurant in this state and maybe even in the country. I can't speak for the country. I haven't been to every state. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say nobody's got a unique and delicious menu the way Humble Taco does. Southern favorites turned into Mexican classics. It's Mississippi Fair. It's Mexican Fair, I'm sorry, with Mississippi roots. It's Humble Taco on University Drive. Looking for a great solution for lunch? Why not Firehouse Subs? They've got all your favorites there. And when you order on the Firehouse Subs app, they make it easy for you to pick up and they make it easy for you to pile up reward points and get free subs. That's what everybody wants. Quick and easy pickup, free food in the future. I mean, I can't make it any easier for you than that. Download the app today. Locations in Starville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Madison and Flowood. That's Firehouse Subs. Robbie Falk, how are you today, friend? Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I like your uh, pit shirt you got on. You I, must I, have bought you must have bought like home field apparel or whatever out. No, nah, I can't buy home field because they don't make uh, my size. So I got these oh, okay. fanatics. But I did. I bought a, I bought a bunch of uh, of vintage college football shirts because I thought they were cool. See, my wife got something new and I got something new. I got some shirts and then she spent an equal amount of money and got a new car. Oh well, yeah. You you deserve something. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> More or less. You should have gone with beef, but shirts will work too. Well, I can get beef. You know, I can go to the store and buy a steak whenever I want. So it's That's not, true. not a big deal. So I decided to upgrade my wardrobe a little bit. Also, I did this a little pettiness because Richard made a comment about one. I was like, is that San Francisco Giants t-shirt the only one you have? And I was like, okay, 
jerk. I'm going to go buy a bunch of shirts now. And now you have to wear a different shirt every single day to make sure have, he knows. I don't have enough to do that, but I, I do wear them. As, I got two more coming in, too. So. You should have asked him if Vineyard Vines is the only thing that he That's wore. That's what I should have. I should have been like, you know, your, your wardrobe is so nondescript. I wouldn't know if you wore the same shirt every day. Oh, he's got a powder blue polo on. How, how fitting. <laughs> Love you, Richard. Uh, <laughs> so, day two of the Chris Jans era here in Starkville feels a lot like day one to me. Um, obviously now the university has made everything official and we're waiting on a press conference to be held and waiting to introduce them and all of that, that that's going on. And of course, you know, we, I, I tweeted this just moments ago that all three of state's top candidates got sec jobs. Obviously Chris Chance is coming here. Todd Golden was on the list. He's headed to Florida. And then earlier on Monday, Matt McMahon got the job at LSU. When we look back in three or four years, are we going to feel like Mississippi State got the best of that bunch, do you think? That's an interesting question. I don't, I don't think we can answer that yet because I think all those coaches have something very intriguing about them. I think Golden is is one of the most intriguing of the group. I think that he has possibly the highest ceiling. But he's so – you know, he's so young, but he has kind of that – I don't know, that that aura around him, that look about him as a guy that could be a, a future star in this business. But you just don't – you don't know until those guys – it's like I said yesterday. I mean, this Jans hire feels like a really, really good one for Mississippi State, but you just don't know until those guys get put in this position. I mean, he's coached at Bowling Green and New Mexico State. And while he's done a very good job and he's won the NCAA tournament and he's advanced in the NCAA tournament, he has not played in the SEC week in and week out. And you can say what you want to him, and the SEC is not having a good tournament, and that's um, pretty evident at this point. But it was one of the top – probably a top three power five, top five conference in the, in the NCAA this year. Um, anytime you put that many teams in the NCAA tournament and you have that many teams ranked inside the top 25 and a few in the top 15 – Auburn and, and Kentucky and Tennessee, those teams are ranked in the top 10 most of the year. You have a really good uh, conference, and you're going to have to play a lot of those teams twice in a year. So we don't know what Jan's going to do. We don't know what McMahon's going to do. But both of those coaches seem like they're going to work out, you would think. I, I think that those guys can transition into the SEC and, and be pretty good. Golden is one of the most interesting to me. I could see him being an absolute star. I can see him being a dud just because I don't know – he's just kind of early on in this thing. Um, but I, I think all three of those were good hires, and it shows you that John Cohen was right on the money looking for a head coach because I, I would consider those three three of the hottest names in the college basketball coaching carousel world. And John Cohen was in the mix with all three of those coaches. So I think that tells you kind of the job that he did in this coaching search. One thing I, I do believe is that in basketball, basketball and football are, are just so different to me. When, when a coach is successful at the group of five in football, I don't believe you, you, it may not translate to the next level, right? It, it's, it's very possible that it doesn't. Uh, but in basketball, I mean, I don't feel like it's that different. Obviously, you know, it's different when you get into conference play, but these, these teams all play each other in the non-conference. You know, you, you see games. I mean, New Mexico State played Mississippi State just two years ago and won the game. So, or was that three years ago, I guess it was, down in Jackson. So, I, you know, 
Jan's, I feel like, I feel like, and, and same with McMahon and Golden a little bit too, that the, the, the success you have at the, at the, the lower, the, what they would call a mid-major can translate a lot easier than it would for a coach who's a success at a similar school in football coming to the SEC. I, I feel a lot more confident about, about that kind of coach. And honestly, in football, I'd almost rather get a power five coordinator than get a group of five coach a lot of times, just because you feel like they've been around it and they understand the, the differences in it in terms of the athleticism. Whereas in basketball, I just don't, you know, I feel like it's, it's so much more about the fundamentals and, you know, can guys shoot or not? If you can shoot at Murray state, you can shoot at Mississippi state is what I would say. If you can shoot it in New Mexico state, you can shoot at Mississippi state. That's how I would look at it. So I think all three of these guys are going to be pretty successful. If you, Golden, like you said, is the wild card because we just don't have a lot of resume with him, not as much as the other two guys. Um, and he could end up being a tremendous hire or it could end up being, you know, a bust. And and it's or I, and I don't feel like there's any in-between with him. I don't feel like, yeah, hey, he's a pretty good coach, is, is the future for, for Todd Golden. Chris Jans, I, f- I feel like he's going to be successful at Mississippi State. I haven't even heard him speak yet, but I feel like the pieces are in place for him here to be successful early and that can translate into success later as you recruit and build your program. Uh, we'll see. All think, in all, the- uh, one, one thing that I'll say that you mentioned, I think you know, the coaching part is such a big deal, but I do think that rec- the recruiting piece is the most important thing for these coaches. Who's going to be able to recruit the best players? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the players, man. I mean, if you're playing – um, the schedule that Mississippi State is going to play and that Florida and LSU is going to play, you've got to have the dudes. I mean, night in and night out, you're not going to be go out, going to be able to go out there and compete at a at a high level and win a lot of ball games against these teams if you don't have the guys. I mean, New Mexico State and Murray State, what they were able to do there was great, and the, and the talent level that they had relative to their conference was better than a lot of those other teams. But that's, what's, that's what really separates these teams uh, in the NCAA tournament. You might see some, some come in there and upset some teams, but there's a reason that the number 11 seed is not winning national championships. That, that it kinda, the cream kind of rises to the top right. uh, when, when everything kind of settles. And the teams that have the best players are usually the ones that are playing for national championships or at least in the mix year in and year out. So – at the end of the day, that's going to be important. And, uh, you know, back to that women's search, I think that's why probably the, the better fit out of those coaches that we talked about for Mississippi State was Sam Purcell because he has been in a, in a power five and a top 100 players living room and has been able to sell Louisville to that player. And I think at the end of the day, the most important thing, in my opinion, in basketball and in any in any of these sports is recruiting. It's all about the players. No, there's no question about that. You know, with Purcell especially, with the Mississippi State is just not that far removed from uh from, from great success at, at the women's basketball level. So you still have the ability to recruit at that maybe not elite, but that higher level. McDonald's All-Americans will still consider Mississippi State. With men's basketball, it's, it's more of, of a grind, and you're going to have to do rely on some, some evaluations. And, you're, you know, 
And when there's a good player in the state of Mississippi, you should be able to get them because you feel like Mississippi State is the best basketball program in this state. And once you have the hump, the facilities will be a little bit more up to snuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the, the fits the fits seem good. And you know, fit is such an – it can be both an overrated and an underrated term. Don't you agree? I mean, I thought Joe Moorhead was a fantastic fit culturally at Mississippi State. He was a blue-collar guy, and I know that that's another term that gets overused sometimes, but that was his background. He grew up blue-collar in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? You know, he, he, Pittsburgh is, is, is the, the south of the north almost in, in some ways. And I, I just felt like his, his personality meshed well with Mississippi folks. Um, obviously, you know, long-term, it didn't work out there. Leach is sort of the opposite. I know Leach is a guy who's, who's lived in the south and been around for a long time, but I feel like culturally, like he, he just stands out. Now, maybe that's because he's Mike Leach, and I knew who he was before he got here, whereas with Joe Moorhead, I didn't. I didn't know a lot about him until he got here. Um, I don't know. But I feel like there's a fit with Jans. He, fits, he feels like a, you know, when you watch his teams play, they play a very grinded-out style. They're very tough defensively. You know, Stansbury's best teams were tough defensively. You know, obviously having a guy like Vernardo in the middle made it made it tough. But even before that, those those teams, you know, you think about how physical they were defensively. Bauer, Zimmerman, Frazier were were physical guards that could that could you know defend. Brandon Vincent uh, was was a great defender for Mississippi State. Uh, you know, Phil Turner and Dietrich Slater, great defensive players for Mississippi State. That's always been state sort of identity. Uh, and offensively, you know, they, they got to figure that out. But I feel like. I feel like state's going to get back to some of what they had, you know, and I, they're obviously trying to, to market it that way. We, we, you mentioned that video on yesterday's podcast of, uh, of all the past glory here at Mississippi state. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it all pans out, but it, it, just here on day two, you know, I, I feel like there's an excitement for Mississippi state basketball. Now, will that translate into, you know, people in the seats? Uh, that's, that's the big question long-term. I, you know, I think it translating to wins is one thing. Ben Hallen was winning at a time. You know, there was a time where he was getting better. His program was getting better and better every year. But even in the NCAA tournament year, the, the hump was not full on a regular basis. You know, what kind of process is it to get the hump back? And I don't know that it can ever be all the way back, but what kind of process is it going to be for Christians to get people excited about men's basketball again? You know, I think I'm kind of at the point now. I think it's a, it's a fan thing. It's going to have to be – the fan base is going to have to decide that they're going to buy in. I mean, there, there's only so much that you can market and so much that you can do before at some point the fan base just says, okay, we're going to buy into this. And maybe it's gotten to the point where this fan base is saying, you know what, they made a change. We're excited about this change. Let's go see, you know, what kind of product he has. Um, and if, you know, if Chris Chan's isn't able to get some people in the seats – for the first game, then this fan base is just not back into basketball yet. And it's going to take winning. Um, it's going to take winning games and winning game, winning big games for this fan base to really get back on board. But I think at least initially kind of at the start that people will be excited about this because anytime you have change, it seems to bring about some excitement. You know, what, what's, what's this team going to look like? Um, you know, you, you feel that rejuvenation. I think that could happen early on in the season. 
And if his team's winning, then maybe that's sustained. But hopefully this fan base has decided we're going to buy in because I think that's, that's really what it boils down to sometimes is the fan base just has to decide they're going to do it. I mean, Dan Mullen came in here and did not coach a single game and had a sellout crowd, largest crowd in Mississippi State history, game one. Mm-hmm. And he always said, I mean, you remember it, 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 you can't win without the fans coming first. It shouldn't be that, you know, you should have to win first for the fans to come first. And I thought oh, that always kind of stuck with me because I never really thought about that. But he kind of issued that challenge to Mississippi State fans right off the bat, and it happened. I mean, it, there was a packed crowd in game one. And I think that's what this fan base is going to have to do too. I think they're going. I think a lot of people are going to have to decide, especially a lot of people that are around Starkville that haven't been coming to games, that they're going to have to decide that we're going to give this guy a chance. If you're John Cohen and Chris Chance, do you go out of your way to try to get a a name non conference opponent to the hump early in the process? Yeah, I, I think that would. I think that would be a good thing. I mean. Even if you lose, just to get people in the door. And I don't know who that program would be. I mean, would Wisconsin yeah. or Michigan State, somebody do a one-and-one one with Mississippi State? I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to get people excited in the non-conference when you're playing Jacksonville State yeah. and Troy and Furman, even though Furman's a good program. Like, some of these programs that Ben Howland would play would be NCAA tournament teams for smaller conferences, but nobody knows that. I mean, no, nobody knows about some of those teams. And playing them uh, in in a tournament in Puerto Rico or something doesn't do anything either. Right. Um, you gotta you gotta have a name opponent coming in. You gotta have you gotta be in that SEC Big Twelve challenge hosting a really good team or even beyond that. I mean, like they played Minnesota this year. Play a play a top twenty five team. Play a team that was in the NCAA tournament last year. Mm-hmm. Like that would be something that that really excites people. I remember, I remember when State hosted uh, West Virginia. Yes, Bob Huggins came to town. Like yeah. the the fan base was just pumped for that. And even that, on, that hasn't happened a whole lot in non conference over the years. A little bit of a lesser scale because I mean they're technically mid major, but those games against Xavier were big games for Mississippi yeah. State. Um, so yeah, to, to get a team like that into the Humphrey Coliseum would be worth it. I think even even if even if you lose the game. Just to get a team like that in there to, to to have a big crowd, I like the idea of that. So we'll see. You know, obviously the basketball schedule is something that gets pieced together uh, throughout the year, but we'll see if they can announce. I know State's going to Minnesota next year, but from there we'll have to to see where they go. All right, let's uh, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef is what's for dinner. If you're cooking out this weekend, if you're going to be cooking out in your uh, stall. Your lodge spot, your lodge spot, your lounge spot uh, out there at Duty Noble Field. Throw some beef on the grill, grab some steaks, some burgers. Or hey, if you're going to do an all day thing, you know, get out there early and put a brisket on the grill. You've got it because you've got the Mississippi Beef Council and you've got our 15,000 beef providers here in Mississippi. So de- deliver to them and they will deliver goodness onto you. That is the way of the Mississippi Beef Council. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks for the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Oh, that place will be going this weekend. Great weather and uh, great times and, of course, great food. Smoked southern soul food, to be precise. Get some wings, grab a couple tacos. My, my favorite is chicken chipotle. Robbie up there, he likes the pork belly. But there's just not a miss on that menu. I'm telling you right now, you can walk in there, 
say, you know, I'm going to throw a dart. And I'm going to pick at random, and I promise what comes out will be delicious. It's my first place to choose every time I go out in Starville. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. They make it really simple for you to advantage business systems, great products, and great service. And I know that everybody promises that, but not the way that Advantage Business Systems does. Nobody has the same selection of products that they could do at Advantage Business Systems. Nobody else can cover all of your needs in one place, and nobody is going to offer the same kind of customer service. Do you think the big box stores are going to give you the local phone number, and they're going to tell you, hey, call us, and we can be out there in a day or two? No. No, you're going to deal with a 1-800 number. You're going to call somebody overseas, and it'll be seven to 10 business days before they can even think about putting you on their list to do. Not the same advantage of business systems. They call you're calling a local number. You're talking to a Mississippian, and they'll be out there the next day or the day after that at the latest. So call them today, put them to work for you. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how advantage business systems will help your business do business. We got a couple of positional breakdowns. We missed one last week. We're in the trenches today, brother. We got the offensive and the defensive line. Let's start on the offense because that's where the biggest questions are. Two tackles. Scott Lashley, say what you want about him. He started every game last year outside of the bowl game. And, of course, Charles Cross, who is about a month or so away, looking at the calendar here, from being a multimillionaire. Uh, First-round draft choice, probably a top-10 draft choice when it's all said and done. State's got to replace those guys. And – for Cross, especially the guy who protects Will Rogers' blind side, that's a, that's a big ask because you know Will Rogers the last year every snap he took he went he did it knowing comfortably I, I'm okay over here I don't have to worry about somebody coming around from the blind side and taking me out because Charles Cross is over there that's gone now. Let's start with a question about Rogers. You know how does new tackles affect him? Um, you know, it's he's, the comfortability is the biggest piece. I actually talked to him about that after um, one of their practices before the bowl game and just how comfortable he had gotten to the, to the point where he knew, like you said, when he snapped the ball, there was nobody that was going to be coming off that left edge. He was going to be protected. I mean, that was one of the best seasons we've ever seen from Mississippi State tackle, what Charles Cross did this year. And what made it even more impressive is the fact that Mississippi State's throwing the ball 50-plus times a game. So now that's no longer there. And you feel like you can have somebody that can step in and be solid, but you're still not going to have a Charles Cross there. You're not going to have a guy that's going to absolutely have you protected every single play with the exception of maybe like one that he allows a pressure or something in the game. So, I mean, your expectations should definitely shift on the protection but I think that you should expect somebody to step in there and be be a solid contributor. Um, it, you're going to give up some sacks at that at that spot, especially on the on the left side. Whenever you consider losing Charles Cross, but somebody can be you know just pretty solid. I thought you know Nick Nick Jones was was solid in the He's ball okay. game. Yeah, that that's serviceable. That is serviceable in this offense, but yeah. also. Will has got to get the ball out quicker, too. Yeah. There, there's a lot of times where he's Especially held on the ball. Especially early in the season, I think, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of times he's held on the ball a little too long, and that's not doing your tackles any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't ask your offensive line to block past three or four seconds without you know, believing that you're going to get hit. So does Percy Lewis get first crack at this, do you think? I would think. Um, if not, you know, I, I, I expect Nick Jones at the start – just because 
he's been here and he kind of you know knows the lay of the land and they they might try to slowly move in Percy Lewis but my expectations for Percy Lewis is to be starting in a tackle spot this year that's why you brought him in and mm-hmm. if he's not then what was that what was all of that for yeah no you're right i mean you, you bring in the top rated junior college offensive tackle you expect them to start uh, and, 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 you know, it's kind of funny. You think about the last time State signed the top-rated junior college offensive tackle, Martinez Rankin didn't play his first year. Took mm-hmm. a redshirt year and then came back and was strong after that. So so we'll see. We'll see if he if Lewis can do that. Um, and then you have the transfer, Stephen Lasoya, who I think also you brought in to at least compete probably at that right tackle position. You know, who are the guys on the roster? You, you mentioned Nick Jones that could possibly be in the mix for these positions. Obviously, Cam Jones. You know, you, I think they want to try to keep him at guard, but possibility there. Uh, is there somebody else, or, or are we going to be looking at a situation where maybe a couple of months after the spring, another transfer makes his way in? I think it makes sense to bring in another transfer, to be honest with you, just to to be safe. I mean, we think that Albert Reese is going to be a guy that can contribute, but he played some guard, Love I think, in the, in the bowl game, but has the build to do it and dressed out every single ball game so they obviously thought he was good enough that if something happened he could have got in the in the game and he did play in the uh, bowl game what do they do with dollar bill does he stay at guard you know he can play tackle i think he's kind of an emergency piece there because i think he's a better guard than he is a tackle but you bring in steven lasoya and you bring in percy lewis to compete at those spots so I mean, your expectations should be those two guys should be competing and pushing for the number one spot at both tackles. Yeah. Um, We'll see if they do, but I, you know, it's just, it's so hard to pencil them in knowing that more often than not, we've seen in the first couple of years under Mike Leach, a lot of these guys have had to work their way in uh, at these different spots on the offensive side of the ball, instead of just being penciled in. Yeah. Lewis definitely has to have a good spring. I mean, he needs to come out there. You know, he's an early enrollee. He'll be going through all these practices. He needs to show early on that he's got a hold of this position. You mentioned Albert Reese, who's I'm a big fan of. I think I started talking about him uh, last year, and I think that he is probably State's left tackle of the future. We'll see what happens with Lewis, but just I mean, just he looks like a grown man at you know 19 years old already. And I do agree with you that State is probably not done in the transfer portal. At this point, you know, we'll, they'll, you know, they'll see how everything shakes out after the spring once people moving on, try to grab maybe one more guy there. Maybe if you can find some sort of veteran offensive lineman, obviously you want to do that. The interior of the offensive line we like. Uh, you, you've got uh, Quinston Sharp back for another year. That's, that's huge. Cole Smith and Cam Jones at the guards, if you can get them there. I mean, that's a veteran group. They've started a lot of games. I, I have no issues with, with, with those guys whatsoever. I think they're all going to be very, very good. And then you have Dollar Bill as well. Who you know has started a lot, so I mean you've got depth. the The interior of state's line is really good. If the tackles are just good, they don't have to be great, just good. You're fine along the front five. Yes, I, I like the you know I, I really like the interior of this group. I mean, the the the, the fact that you're bringing back Q Sharp is huge. I mean, just massive. Because I thought Cole Smith really helped that offensive line last year when he moved to guard, and he made that offensive line a little grittier in mm-hmm. the interior. Agreed. Seemed like that the, they were getting more of a push up front. They were able to score inside the red zone, something they didn't do early on in the season. 
So I think he's a guy that makes you better, and he needs to focus on just the guy in front of him and not snapping the ball. And I think that uh, with another year now, he should be uh, pretty good this season. You have you know, him coming in as a third-year starter, LaQuinston Sharp coming in. He's been at Mississippi State for three or four years, whatever it is now. And Cam Jones, I thought, was pretty darn good last year. That interior is really solid. The, you have those question marks to tackle, and that's a really big piece in a passing offense and any offense for that matter. But I like the I like the nucleus of this group. I like the talent. I like the pieces. Now they just got to put it together. And I think the spring is where you really start to see that evolve when those guys get these reps in. Then we'll switch over to the other side of the ball, the defensive line. Again, you bring back so much here. Um, and I think the biggest piece coming back, obviously, is Jordan Davis, who should be you know fully healthy after tearing his ACL in the fall. He is the explosive pass rusher this team kind of missed at times last year. But Nathan Pickering, Cam Young, those guys are great defensive tackles. Crumity back for another year is huge. I thought DeMonte Russell took big strides last year. I thought Randy Charlton was very solid for Mississippi State. And you bring you know, a guy like Javon Banks, who I, who I like, who's shown some flashes, who could be a, a decent player for State. Jack Harris, sort of the same way. There's a lot of talented guys in, in this group. And, you know, we didn't even mention you know, a couple of the newcomers, like Deontay Anderson, who redshirted last year, but they like him very much. And then, of course, you've got uh, Jacarius Clayton coming in and uh, Trevion Williams, who'll be here in the fall, who I think can be an impact freshman. There's a lot to like about Mississippi State along the defensive line. But for me, it starts with Davis. Yeah, that's a huge piece. He was having such a good spring last year. Mm-hmm. Great fall. And, uh, before he got and hurt. fall, too. And, you know, when, when you lose a guy like that, that is a, you know, he was State's best pass rusher. It was just hard to replicate that. And, you know, Jack Harris was hurt most of the season. DeMonte Russell wasn't fully ready to get in there and take that on. You know, Randy Charlton was being asked to do what Jordan Davis did, and he's really not the same kind of player to me. But he's a good player, but you were putting a lot on his shoulders. I, I, I love the interior here. I love Cam Young and Nathan Pickering. That is a really good one-two punch that you can roll in and out there at nose tackle. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Young had a tremendous season. I mean, for a, for a guy at the nose to have 51 tackles, I mean, he was top – I think he was top eight in tackles last year. Honestly, might have had one of the biggest plays of the season in the block field goal at Auburn. Yes. Um, so, that I mean, that guy is um, an unsung hero for Mississippi State up front and not a guy that anybody was talking about really before last season. I mean, he, he, was, he was on his way to Gulf Coast coming out of high school when Mississippi State gave him a late offer, decided to come to school, Really good job by the staff being able to evaluate him and, and pick him up because I think they saw that there was so much to work with there. He's just one of those raw talents that Mississippi produces, and it just continuously pumps out these defensive linemen. And you look on this roster just all over the place as Mississippi uh, players, Javon Banks, uh, Jack Harris, DeMonte Russell, Jacarius Clayton coming in, Jaden Crumity, Cameron Young, Nathan Pickering, Travion Williams coming in. These are the guys that are going to be next up going in, into the NFL, just like the guys before them. And I, I see several NFL caliber players on this roster this year on the defensive line. I think Pickering's an NFL guy. I think Cam Young's worked himself into being an NFL guy. Um, I, I think Jordan Davis has a shot. I think Randy Charlton has a shot. DeMonte Russell. There, there's a lot of talent on this front. 
and they're going to have to be really good because I, I, you know, I don't know what to expect from the defensive backs, and I know we'll get into them and, and the linebackers too. There's going to be a lot of new faces on on uh, in both of those position groups, but I really like what they got in that front three and be, and behind them too. I think that the the depth is going to be really good. But again, very important uh, here in the spring to have a really good spring for these guys to develop and to get into the fall and get ready for, for this season. I agree with you. Yeah, the, the spring is going to be very important just to try to figure out the rotation because you've got a lot of guys. you got to figure out, you know, who's going to go where. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Whoever you put in the nose, Pickering or Young, with them Crumbity and Davis, that's as good a starting defensive line outside of the truly elite, the, the Alabama-Georgia, as you're going to find. And then to, if you tell me the next guy is, you know, Pickering or Young, with Charlton and DeMonte Russell. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. That's that first six. I feel really good about it. And then you tell me behind that, I've got Javon Banks and I've got Jack Harris. You know, they got to find a third nose tackle, I guess. Maybe that could be Banks as he continues to grow. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I Maybe that's another spot for the, the portal to look at. I don't know. But, or, I mean, you know, Crumity can even move in there if you want him to. State's got a lot of mix and match match options here, and I know Zach Arnett likes that a lot. He likes to move guys around and and, and you know find what works. So this is you know I don't think that you know they have the star power. There's not a Simmons, a Montez Sweat kind of guy, but this is easily the most depth they've had since 2018, and and they have some potential star power if Davis can play the way he was practicing back in the fall, and Pickering has a high high ceiling. We'll see. I I don't think this is a uh, uh, an area that I'm looking at ahead and I'm thinking, okay, I'm worried about. I, I feel really confident about states about Mississippi State's defensive line. I really like the guys they have there, and they've done a good job of recruiting there. They got to continue to do that now. You know, they missed missed out on Jaheim Otis last year. They need they need to get some some real defensive tackles in there, but they've got some some guys whose future I feel very. I think Trevion Williams is a future star for Mississippi State. He's a guy who uh, I don't know if he's another Montez Sweat. I don't know if he's the same kind of player, but I'm trying to think of a. I don't. I. It, it's tough to say. Oh yeah, that guy could be a next Fletcher Cox, right? Fletcher Cox is, a, is an All Pro and a, a Pro Bowler and one of the greatest defensive linemen of the, the last ten years in the NFL. It's tough to say a guy's going to become the next him, but you know, Trevion Williams has high, a high ceiling. Is all I will say. I'm very excited to see him in the fall and what kind of impact he can make. So we'll talk yeah, linebacker. Go ahead. I think go ahead. he's got a. I think he's got a chance to be a potential uh, first day early second day guy in the NFL draft. I agree like, with I, that. I, I think I really do. If he if, if they develop him like like they should, I, I think that he's another great one coming out of the state of Mississippi. I mean he just falls right in line. I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. We'll talk linebackers uh next Tuesday on the on, on Thunder and Lightning. We'll continue our, our positional breakdowns. Spring practice starts in just two days. And today uh, I guess are, are you gonna be there, Robbie? Well we'll be at the pro day. Yeah. All right, I will. So we'll maybe we can up. do uh maybe we can do the rumblings afterwards. Assuming the world hasn't, you know, blown through here by then, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We'll we'll, we'll talk a little. Uh, we'll talk pro day, and then we'll we'll get into the rumbling. So send us your questions about all that. If you got anything in particular about pro day, we'll be happy to answer that uh, as well. Severe weather across our state today. Please be careful. Stay tuned to Super Talk Mississippi as you can. We'll update the weather as as it comes in. Uh, but it's supposed to be a really rough day here for us. So you know, make sure you've got everything taken care of. All your uh, your places where you're gonna you're gonna batten down and all that, you're, you're good to go. It's gonna be a, a tough day. We're, we're all gonna get through it, and then we'll be back with you very very soon. So talk to you guys tomorrow. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.